If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. The rise of the ticked-off parent is now happening in one of the most liberal cities in America. And is it a harbinger of things to come? As Democrats face brutal new polls, they're bad And they explain a lot about what's happening lately, including one that shows the president's approval rating dropping 12 points since August in California, California, believe it or not. Joining me now to discuss it, all the co-hosts of the podcast, Ruthless, which we love. John Ashbrook sitting in today. Uh, Josh Holmes is here and the man known to us all as comfortably smug. Guys, welcome back. Hey, it's so great to be here. It's always awesome to be with you. Wonderful. All right, John. So what's your story? What are you, you're usually off camera. How did you like what happened? Well, you know what? Michael just doesn't care enough about your show to, to appear. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to get him outrageous. We, we got to be here. But well, sadly, appreci- he, he has COVID and, and thought that was reason enough not to show up. For he, your he, show. Did have, he did have COVID. We were concerned about the over the transom transmission to anybody involved in your show. And so off, exactly. off he goes. Thank you for looking out for us. Um, okay, so let's get into it because uh, California has now finally gone red. <laughs> incredible. That's that's how the Associated Press is is describing what happened at the San Francisco School Board. That this was a Republican revenge. It's, I mean, talk about missing the story. This had nothing to do with Republicans. That's what's so scary to the press and sort of the far left of the Democratic Party. This was Democrats giving the middle finger to woke (laughs) Democrats and their policies in the bluest state in the union. Am I wrong, Josh? No, I mean, look, you're exactly right. But but it's even more profound than that. Almost. It's not just that it was a blue place. I mean, it's the bluest place on the planet, but it also was overwhelming. Right. I mean, we're talking like 80, 20, 75, 25 in favor of recalling these these people, every single neighborhood in San Francisco voted to recall. Hate Ashbury, hate Ashbury, voted to recall. I mean, it, doesn't, it like doesn't matter what your politics are, right? I mean, they saw basically. I don't care what you you believe in, left, right, or center. If you're seeing a grievous damage being done to your children, you care about that, and that's what these people were doing. It's crazy. I mean, they recalled. They could only recall three. 
they probably right. would have recalled the whole board if they could. They were only allowed to to go after these three, given the way the California law is structured. Uh, but they're gone. And you tell me whether the, the other members on this board and other school boards in California and countrywide now are scared, right? Like, do, does it scare them enough to abandon those far left policies we've seen in so many states? Or do they go more the AP way, which is, oh, you know, those Republicans, they got their way, but not here in our state because we've been reasonable. I mean, I think that is a, a large part of what we've been seeing over the past couple of years is a demand that you adhere to to their narrative or else you're considered a, a far-right radical. It's very clear. I mean, you just look at the registration numbers. These were Democrats who voted in this recall. And these were concerned parents who, when schools were shut down, uh, th that board, uh, that, that supervisor's board said, okay, we need to have a very serious meeting to discuss the most <laughs> important issue. We need to rename 40 schools in our district. Like Abraham Lincoln High School must be renamed. Yes. And parents just, I mean, I, I think any sane person, even even Democrats, would be willing to, to to take a moment, take a pause and say, my kids aren't in school and these people are trying to rename Abraham Lincoln High School. My, my favorite my favorite was they renamed Alamo because they thought it all referred to the battle like Alamo. And, and the Alamo school is actually just a Spanish tree. It's incredible <laughs> had to rename that. But again, that took precedence over trying to get kids back in school. It's there. Um, there was one uh, one tweet by Lee Fang of The Intercept, which is, you know, a, a lefty uh, sort of news organization founded by Glenn, Glenn Greenwald before he left, uh, who, who wrote in response to the AP repress uh, a press report about Republicans increasingly looking to the education fight as a galvanizing issue and so on uh, and talking about the, how this is about right wing politics. So Lee Fang responds, no one watches Fox News here. No one. Yeah. There is no real right wing influence. The leaders of the recall are non-white immigrants. The media will lie nonstop about this. But the fact that an overwhelming majority of Democrats recalled San Francisco's ultra woke school board speaks volumes. Um, that's the truth, right? That's the truth. And even the San Francisco Examiner editorial board seemed to understand that. I feel so encouraged by this because I feel like you know, Virginia was more more purple and California's definitely deep blue. And so we've seen examples in both of those state, states, not to mention New Jersey, where the parents messaging is getting through. They they are having the last word. So, you know, eight, seven months away from the midterms, I feel like these Democrats are terrified. You know, Megan, there's another interesting figure in this whole story, and it's somebody who you've interviewed. This is Jennifer Say. I mean, she is a real yeah. leader. She is somebody who stood up for what she believed in. And she's someone who, I mean, you you know the whole story. Your audience knows the whole story because you had her on. But I mean, she wrote and very, very clearly in her piece about what she went through at her company uh, because she just wanted a normal environment for her kids. She She's an Elizabeth Warren supporter. Yes. What did she do? Right. She gets basically fired as the president yeah. of Levi's brand of Levi's. You know, there's supposed to be an American heartland brand. She gets fired. Why did she refuse to get the vaccine and say vaccine mandates are wrong? No, she said we should open the schools. This is very damaging to the children. And she advocated mm -hmm. on behalf of children against these lockdown policies. And that was a bridge too far. They called her names. And you know what? But she, she was not intimidated. And I think that she is really she is really an example of what like if you're if you're somebody who has I have, I have daughters, if she she is an example of what 
you want kids to grow up and, and be like because mm-hmm. she is not intimidated. Yeah, I, I think you know, she's obviously a huge hero, but I think of all the, all the parents without the resources and without the, the ability to sort of speak their mind for fear of taking, having their livelihoods taken away in the second that they do, they've got nothing left, right? And so all of a sudden, not only your kid's education is a concern, but where they get their me- next meal is as well. And I think that's what the left has done with this education fight and, and COVID writ large, right? Is it, you, you can't actually question the narrative that they've come up with in any form or fashion because they'll punish you. Yep. Right. And, and they'll, they'll use whether it's the tech platforms or the mainstream media, or in this case, corporate culture to try to make people silent about all the very serious damaging things that they're trying to do to our schools. Right. They'll fire you even from a job as powerful as hers and they'll smear you. Jennifer Say, S-E-Y, has four kids, two of whom are mixed race. She was married to a black man. Two of her children are mixed race and they they still called her a racist. Like, it's just they always play that card. So everybody knows they're going to get called a racist for what this thing. This doesn't on its face involve race. This is open the schools for all children. But I guess the argument was you literally, this is what she wrote in her piece on Barry Weiss's Substack, that she wanted to kill black and brown kids because she wanted the schools open and they would go into those schools and contract COVID and die. Just outrageous. Yeah, I think I, the modern left has gotten so incredibly deranged. And I think it goes hand in hand with their use of, of pressure tactics and almost like an extortion racket where they demand that you uh, you know, follow the directions, follow the narrative and and what they say goes or else they'll try to take your livelihood. And even even uh, the basis, one of one of the members who was uh, recalled in the election, uh, a friend of mine, Mike Solana, pointed out these tweets that she had that was saying that uh, Asian Americans are complicit in white supremacy. And it's all part of this move that like the ultra woke left has had to try to get rid of like accelerated teaching programs. You have to get rid of standardized testing in schools and all these opportunities for education. They're trying to take away in the name of this deranged kind of race based, very racist social justice. Mm -hmm. And hopefully across the country, all parents, the same way even San Francisco can wake up across the country. Hopefully all parents can wake up and hold these people accountable for what they've done. (laughs) We had Meg, we had to laugh. There's a San Francisco Chronicle article that was about, I think it was San Francisco Chronicle was about this. And they were reacting to the the left trying to to do what you were talking about at the top of the program is make this basically be like a, a Republican thing. Oh, Republicans, Republican. And he shows up in full drag, right? And he names himself Gabraham Lincoln. And he's like, <laughs> do I look like a Republican to you? <laughs> I was incredible. like, that's just perfect. That is, that, that's what we're talking about here, right? It's just not a Republican concern. It should be for everyone, but somehow the woke left just that won't, can't see it. Well, let me ask you about the Asian vote in San Francisco, because I'm sure that there are going to be some Democrats who are going to write this off as, oh, San Francisco is a unique city. There's a there's a high Asian population. And the thing that they were most upset about was this school, which the the school board was trying to change from you test in, you get in based on merit to you get in based on a lottery system because they wanted more black and brown students in there. And they the message was effectively they wanted fewer Asians and the Asian vote. Voters, you know, they didn't like that. They didn't like the wokeness. They went to the polls. You know, it wasn't it, w- it wasn't a massive turnout, but it was for a school board election. And I wonder whether Democrats are going to make the mistake of being like, as ah, a unique community, we don't that's not really on the ballot in, you know, November 2022. We don't have to listen to that. 
Well, I think uh, one thing that's becoming increasingly clear is that Democrats are not at all concerned with the actual needs of minorities in this country. The fact that you look at polling and was it 97% of Latinos don't want to be called Latinx, yet they continue (laughs) to use that terminology. And uh, modern progressivism is based upon the idea of just fracturing people. And and here they're using racial lines because they know the accusation of racism is such a powerful tool for them. And and for well, it's so the only long two left in the it. toolbox. That's basically yeah, that's I mean, what else do they have? But I mean, no, it's they, disgustingly they, shameful how they've completely blunted its force. Right. Like they they've overused it so much. Um, it Nobody listens anymore. It's like, OK, I know everyone's a racist. Jennifer say, sure, she's a racist. OK, she married a black man, had two mixed race children, but she must be a racist because she what what checks notes wants to open the schools for children. Oh, oh. It's incredible. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But, I mean, they're going one step further. They're they're literally filing lawsuits under the Americans with Disabilities Act to keep masks on kids. And yep. I'm I'm I, I'm so outraged by this as a parent of a child who wears two hearing aids. And for the last two years, you know, we're part of a society. Our schools has rules. They say you wear a mask. OK, we're going to wear a mask for the last two years. My own child has not worn her hearing aids because it doesn't work with the mask. And they're going to tell us that they're using the Americans with Disabilities Act oh, to keep wow. masks on my own child. It's outrageous. It's the height of irony. And I mean, it's just it just burns me. Where's up. your kid in school, John? We just covered that that legal matter uh, a couple of days ago on the show, talking about cases in Pennsylvania and Tennessee, where they're now going to use, you know, the, the mass mandates finally coming down. And now these these lawyers are getting together saying, oh, the Americans with Disabilities Act, these kids are immunocompromised. And in this case in the in Pennsylvania, they don't say who it is. They, so you can't identify whether the kids actually have some sort of immunocompromised disability. But one of the disabilities that they apparently did allege was ADHD, which <laughs> last time I checked doesn't make you more likely to die from COVID. Um, yeah, I don't even get the connection. No, they don't. It's just like everything under the sun, right? They just want to put run up their numbers so they can say this is the number of kids who you know you might die. Um, and meanwhile, I was saying to the lawyers, if your kid might die unless my kid wears his mask properly and wears the right mask effectively, you should not be sending him to school with my child. My I mean, kid is eight. Sense. My kid's mask is over by his ear half the day, and yeah. it's as thin as it c- can be, and it's protecting no one from anything. This was all just a theater that we had to go through to get him into school, and all of his little buddies are the same. So who are we kidding? But back to you. what? How old is your child, and where where are you guys in school? Yes. So we're in Northern Virginia, and I think I think what we've learned is that the, the message, the narrative matters to them so much that they overlook the fact that life is, so, is a lot more complicated than their narrative would allow. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, we've learned that in very real terms. And, um, you know, everybody's got a different situation. But, you know, what we know is is our own reality. And that is we'd like to put hearing aids back on our kid. And, you know, what's she, she been them. doing? Which, how has she been getting by without them? Well, fortunately, we've, we're, in a, we're in a school where she's got great, she's got great teachers, she's got great aids. But, but the, our, our, we're not the, you know, we're, we're the exception. You know, mm-hmm. you look across the country where the people are in these giant school districts and people don't have the services that that our school district provides and they're left without uh, they're left without what they need. You yeah. know, and it's just it just burns you up. You know, it, it's shocking. You look at in, in terms of trusting the science, uh, doctors, experts have repeatedly said that children are the group of our of our society least likely to suffer uh, the worst outcomes from covid Yet they've been forced to live under the, the the most egregious of restrictions where 
even even uh, you know these dem governors are trying to take credit like oh i'm finally allowing you to have your life back and and take a mask off however uh, it still applies to schools. Like yeah, they will let restaurants and bars take masks yeah. up, but not schools. How, how, how in the world? It, it literally blows my mind. I can't figure this out. So now we can have open gyms. We can have open restaurants. We can have open office places and water parks and all these things. Uh, but we can't. We got to have the masks on in schools, a place that it never should be in the first place. If it's not for teachers unions and the corruption yep. within the progressive That's left. It. What is the what? How else could it be? What? That's there's no other justification. She that Randy Weingarten has got all of these these officials by the balls. Sorry, yeah. uh, but she does, and they they allow it. They just kowtow to her and the other union leaders. They don't give a damn about yeah. the children. That's why the masks will come off last in the schools. And now, what the teachers say, we're hearing this out in California, where Gavin Newsom, to no one's surprise, bowed to the teachers' unions again. He's been forced to yep. take off the yeah. inside indoor mask mandate. But not for the schools because the unions objected. And his excuse was, well, the vaccination rate for the for the particularly young ones between five and 11 is still too low. You know why? Because parents don't they don't want to give that vaccine to kids that young. They know they don't need it. So and by the way, the unions are the ones saying those kids need to get vaccinated before they can take off the masks. Totally ignoring the fact that the vaccine does not prevent the spread of Omicron, which is the dominant and really only variant left in America. I 100% right. And they're also boxed into their own little reality echo chamber that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world, right? They just sort of reinforce these perceptions that all of them have about the the disease and the danger of COVID. And like 95% of America is out living their lives and doing their thing. But like the only thing that they listen to is their little MSNBC primetime yep. and talk to their union buddies about these sort of things. And, and you know, maybe through triple masks over a Zoom cocktail party, discuss mm-hmm. the, you know, the problems that society has with some Chardonnay or whatever it is that they drink. And like none of reality seeps into their dumb heads. Right. And it's like, doesn't matter how loud we get these people until the politicians get voted out. I'm not sure it's going to change. Well, did you see the Super Bowl? Every oh, single restore uh, celebrity in the world, none of them had a mask. Right. Including He's- the mayor of L.A. Yeah. These Who, liars. The last time he was pictured without a mask, said that he uh, was holding his breath. Yeah. <laughs> what happened and to that? He did he hold his breath the whole Super Bowl? Super good at holding his breath. He's like a Navy SEAL. Megan. He's amazing. Exactly right. I'm thinking of that movie, The Poseidon Adventure. He could definitely make it underneath that last, you know, that water where they had to go under. Remember <laughs> with Ernest <laughs> Ernest Borgnine? Right? It was great. That's right. But That's it's infuriating right. because, right, because all we see all these celebrities la, 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 having such a fun time. Screw you. There are little five year olds who have to have the masks on and they don't need it. And they're less of a threat than a fully vaccinated adult, even though they're unvaccinated, less threatened by covid. We ignore it. And now Gavin Newsom's like, oh, you know what? The teachers union said that's pretty reasonable. He said, I, I think that's reasonable. It's like Fauci, right? Fauci and Rochelle Walensky still, still, even now saying the masks need to stay on. It's not time. It'll never be time for them. Did you see what Walensky says they're going to do within the next two months? She said, or two weeks, I'm sorry. She says that they are reviewing the mask rules. Do you know what happens within the next two weeks? State of the Hmm. Union. There Mm -hmm. it is. 
There it is. So, so no, why would you set protocol around the science? That's the thing. When, like, you when, have they, the say opportunity. Trust, when they say trust the science, it's political science. Yeah. 100% they look at the polling to make their decision making. Mm. And sadly, kids are under 18 and can't vote. So, but you, but so, you want so to, they don't matter to these people. It's not just, it's not just uncomfortable and shitty. It's, it's the way that they operate and have operated from the very beginning. Do you know what else was according to not the, the facts on the ground, but, but a political end date? The retreat from Afghanistan. Oh boy, that's great and that point. cost 14 Americans their lives. And I got to imagine that everything that they're doing has a severe consequence, too. So it's, you know, look, I like have fun and, and joke around about this stuff. But what these guys do by putting their political interests ahead mm-hmm. of the interests of the American people have severe, severe consequences. And in the cases of 14 families across this country, the worst consequences of all. Mm-hmm. Wait, but you raised a good point there about the State of the Union. I mean, do you think I hadn't actually put that together? Do you think that the reason he's saying not yet, not yet, it's a tough call is really that it has nothing more to do with than he wants to be the one to have his big spike the ball moment at the State of the Union? I, America, I give you, you know, I pardon you. I pardon you. I remember I that. Mean, you remember Biden tried. He, he tried it last last year. He, he tried to say, OK, everyone is free. We're going to have a, a happy summer. And then Delta hits. And then suddenly it's very Christmas. You're going to die. We're going to have a, a winter of death. <laughs> totally. That's exactly right. He Rochelle Walensky crying. I mean, there's not, this administration can't do anything correctly. He's just praying to God he can have a moment to try and spike the football. But, but like to the point that John was making about whether you would hold this decision for the president to make it on the State of the Union. I mean, look, the, the, the parallel I was drawing is what they were attempting to do is on the 20th anniversary mm-hmm. of yeah. 9-11, yeah. give the president his moment right. to say, I'm right. the one that ended this war. That's the timeline. Nobody else would retreat from Afghanistan in the middle of fighting season unless you had a political goal, not a logistical goal. And I think what John has outlined about the State of the Union fits perfectly with everything we know about the Biden administration. My God, yeah, when you think right. about it, it's all about him. I'm just All thinking back now, you know, it's like the they admitted that they they scaled back the BLM protests in advance of the election because they knew that they were bad for Democrat polling, that the American people don't like to see riots and arsons and lootings in the streets. So so they scaled back on that. Why? Because they wanted Biden to win. And the Afghanistan thing, they wanted Biden to have his spike the ball moment on Afghanistan. And now this, right, they we think maybe that they want to give him the big moment in the State of the Union and the the children must suffer and our Marines must give their lives and people's businesses have to be burned down because he's got to get the timing just right to help him. And by the way, I'll give you another example, naming the fact that he's going to choose a black woman as a Supreme Court justice, which totally undermines the choice, whoever she is. And it didn't need to be said. He could have just kept saying, I'm going to pick the best person for the job. And if I can pick up if that person happens to be diverse, so much the better. But he, it was about him. He wanted to spike his him. numbers, he wanted to please James Clyburn. And so he insisted on going out and cutting out this woman's legs from under her, whoever she it's always about him. That's a great it's, point. It's, it is a great point. You know, you know what just it speaks to his delusion as much as it does anything else, because the idea that any of this stuff is actually going to help him is insane. His yeah. numbers. What did we find out? He's like all time something. Yeah. All time 30, 34 or something like every that. battleground state. He's double digit underwater. 
They're it's unbelievable how terribly he's pulling. Well, I mean, he's like stage three cancer with independence right now. It's unbelievable. I mean, it is unbelievable. Yeah, he's in the 20s with independence. 23 was the number with independence. The idea that any of this is actually going to help lift him out of it is just completely delusional. It's like it's it's as delusional as the idea that he's going to come up and stand at the microphone and deliver a complete sentence. <laughs> I mean, and it speaks to the it speaks to the priorities of this administration. Like everything they do, all their priorities are based around how can we make this shambling guy look good as opposed to how do we make groceries more affordable for the American people? How do we make sure gas prices aren't out of control? They canceled Keystone XL the first day Biden's in office. Their interests aren't with what matters to American people. What 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 actually is is a problem for their families? Their interests are how do we make this idiot look good? <laughs> but how, but do you think that this could work? And I, I definitely want to get further into the polling with you guys in a minute. But do you think in the same way, you know, that the rollback of some of those BLM protests before the vote, you know, they thought that would help them. And I don't know. I mean, maybe it did. Right. It certainly would have been less helpful to him if they'd been going on all the way through the vote. Um, Could this work, too? Here we are. I don't know. Today's this is February and the elections are in November. So nine, eight months away. Like, will people forget what they did to our children and what they did to us? I certainly hope not, but I think it's it, why all of us have to stay vigilant and talking about it, right? Because look, the the reality is that campaigns do matter, or you wouldn't run them. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a huge effort by Joe Biden and the Democratic Party and all of their friends and allies in the media, and in basically the entire, for lack of a better word, establishment of of content creation in this country, to try to shape history and try to change. The narrative about what's happening. You can see them already talking about how some of these mask mandates and and COVID vaccine mandates have gotten us to the point where we mm. can get out of this. That's this their mask. narrative. They I, worked. They worked. Yeah. And I mean, they're working really hard at it. But I mean, for those of us, particularly those of us with children, we're not going to forget. Right. We're yeah. never going to forget what these people have done and what they've put us through and the tin ear and deaf ear that they've shown us when we tried to explain what a problem this would be. So I don't think they're going to get all the way back. I think they can probably try to staunch the bleeding, but it's really incumbent upon us and people like us to keep talking about it, or otherwise these people are going to try to change history entirely. And, and I think an important part of that is you could see the way that there was this like uh, sea change among Democrat governors of trying to be like, oh, you know, we're going we're gonna to let you get your lives back. We're going to start relaxing the mask mandates. Like we should be on their side. Like, oh, it's nice of them to let us do that. No, what what the lesson is they should be held accountable for doing that for so long. Yes. yes. These hits. It's it's not about forgiving or, or being like, I'm happy that this politician is starting to listen to people. It's no, they should be held accountable for the decisions that they've made that have cost kids. I mean, you look at so many studies that are saying that there are kids who won't recover from the damage that's been done to them academically and developmental wise by wearing a mask when it was completely unnecessary for kids their age to be masked. And so can I, we yeah, should hold these people accountable in the elections. They shouldn't be like, uh, oh, give them credit for relaxing them. No, you don't. You don't say, you know, say thank you for, for, for <laughs> letting you have your rights back. No, no, exactly. How dare you take them away in the first place? So the day after the Super Bowl, um, I'm in Connecticut. And of course, we saw all the hypocrisy, as we point out, about all these celebrities and the politicians who put the mask mandates in place, not obeying them out in in California. I'm in Connecticut, same boat as California and um, schools. My kids still have to wear the damn masks. The the governor said on 228, uh, the mask mandate is lifted. But 
not if your city doesn't want to lift it. So now it goes to the cities to decide whether in their jurisdiction they want the mask mandate lifted. And then there's a third hurdle, which is your school district. Then your school district or your private school, in our case, decides whether the masks come off in there. So there's nothing but hurdles. Okay, so I go my my little guy, my second grader forgot his valentines for his little buddy, his buddies on Monday. So it was actually really sweet. He was getting out of the car and he's like, where's my red bag? I'm like, oh, did you forget it at home? And you could see like his eyes started to well up. I'm like, I got it, babe. I got it. Mom's got it. So I, I go home I get the little red bag. I bring it back to the school. Well, I mean, you would have thought we really were suffering from the bubonic plague. I There were more layers between me and the lady in the front office. I mean, I had to buzz and then she checked me out and then she came over and then there were like three doors for her to get through and only and she had the N95 on, of course, and I'm outside, so I am not wearing, I'm like, oh Lord, I'm going to have to. So I've got a mask up now for literally this, you guys. Here you go. Here you go. I, I have never seen the inside of his classroom, nor my other son's classroom, nor my daughter's classroom. They won't let us anywhere near the classrooms or the children, masked or unmasked, because we're still pretending that it's March of 2020 and we know nothing. It's lunacy. <laughs> You're super lucky you didn't get a CNN headline out of that. Megan Kelly demands entrance into children's <laughs> schools. <show, laughs> protests. <laughs> and, and, and it's incredible. It, it, it's I'm like, like the science one step away. That COVID can't affect you when you're walking. It can only affect you when you're walking into the restaurant when when, when you check right. in for your reservation. Yeah, for That's right. But then as you're walking to the table, you can take your mask off because COVID right. doesn't exist. And remember, Nicole Wallace, I, I always wear my mask at all times unless I'm sitting. <laughs> oh COVID doesn't affect but, the like, sitting. <laughs> for people like for people like her, I feel like just don't tell them. Right. Just ha- if they want to believe that this is the worst thing in the entire world and we're never going to get over it and they have to stay mm-hmm. in their mask in their basement, triple zooming and all that crap. Do it. That's great. great. I mean, honestly, I could use the lack of traffic. Stay in your home. Don't make a dinner <laughs> reservation. I- I'm good with all of that. Don't tell these people. It's true. But the sad thing is she and her people are running our cities. You know, I mean, that's I why they've got me here in Connecticut. They've got New York um, and they've got several other states. Now, I mean, even in Connecticut, well, was it uh, in New Jersey where, you know, Governor Murphy got the message? He said, OK, I'm dropping the mask mandate. And when he said it, it was like in two months, you know, <laughs> the middle of March. Yeah. What? Why? I- There's no reason. It's crazy. It's really crazy. And by yeah. the way, we I think we covered last time we were on with you, you had to move out of New York for all the crime and, and everything. Now you're in Connecticut. If you have to move again, I'm this is just like a I'm throwing it out there. Maybe south. Maybe somewhere <laughs> south. You know, I you might have better luck. I ask myself that every day, but I will say, you know, the town I'm in is like 50 50 in its politics. So that's good. That's certainly better than yeah, where I was. Rare. It, New York went, what's that? I said it's fairly rare in that neck of the woods. Well, exactly. Right. So like the state is blue, but the town is 50 50. And the thing for me is like, I know a lot of people say like, move, move, move. But it's like I want I'm of the Northeast. I was raised my whole life in New York State. I don't want to leave my mom who's up here. She's never going to leave her little town outside of Albany. Never. I don't care where I go. She's not leaving. You know, she's 80. She's set in her ways. Doug's mom, same. Plus, it's like you, know, you love you love what you grew up knowing. You know, I love the topography here. I love the change of seasons. I love the way it feels. All my friends are. I don't want to have to. I want people to be freaking reasonable. That's what I want. And they they won't. <laughs> That's why I get so excited when I see something like Phil Murphy. <laughs> well, look, if it can happen in San Francisco, it can happen anywhere. That's my hope. That's perfect. My hope. 
perfect ending to this block. Stand by quick break and we'll come back uh, with much, much more, including what the crime wave means for Democrats as Nancy Pelosi slaps down her own party uh, congresswoman, Cori Bush, on defunding the police. Oh, really? But can Democrats escape that messaging? It's not like you can say to the criminals, could you just stop committing crime for the next eight months? That would really help us out. That's not going to happen. We only wish it could. We'll be right back. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. So we referenced it a bit in the first block, but um, the polling for Biden is bad. Bad, bad, bad. Biden's approval rating in California right now is underwater. In California, it's uh, 47 percent uh, approving to 48 percent disapproving. It was 59 percent approving, 37 percent disapproving just back in July, which, of course, is one month before August, which is when Afghanistan happened and his polling in every state in the union fell uh, precipitously. Um, neither Biden nor Trump because obviously everybody's talking about Trump, too, has their party's full support for a 2024 run. 51% of Democrats want a different candidate other than Biden. 51% uh, at similar points in their presidencies that Obama and Trump had almost 80% of their parties wanting them to run again. So Biden is not even keeping up with the prior presidents in terms of holding his own coalition together. And that doesn't even touch the, the swing state polls. So how bad is it? You guys are in, in the field of covering politics and being in politics. How bad is it? You know, Megan, uh, it's so funny you start with this. We were looking at these numbers earlier today and we were wondering, is there any state in the country where Biden is even approaching a favorable rating? And we looked through every single state <laughs> and it turns out there are only four out of 50 where he has uh, even an, a, a rating that's even approaching 50 percent. Connecticut, by the way, is not one of them. It's Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, and liberal Vermont. Vermont. I knew Vermont was going to be the last one. You can ski there, you can get maple syrup there. there, and then get the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think that's about right. But I mean, look, no, I mean, the answer is he is, he's in an awful, awful place everywhere, and it's richly, richly deserved. But I think the more important part is another thing we were looking at with this polling. And it's been echoed in many polls over the last month or two is how is he doing in the states that are going to be determinative Mm -hmm. in the midterm elections? Right. I mean, he's not going to be on the ballot again until 24. What does it look like in the states 
that are having like big Senate races or governor's races in, in 2022. And they broke these out smug. I think you actually have these things in front of you. Yeah. So uh, you look at Joe Biden's approval ratings in, in, in these battleground states in Arizona, he's 29 points underwater, oh my God, that's uh, Georgia, 26 points underwater, Nevada, 23 points underwater, North Carolina, 23 points underwater, Ohio, 30 points underwater. Oh my God. I mean, so the vast majority of these states he won, right? And I mean, albeit with a narrow margin, but now we're talking steep double-digit problems in his own image. And it's like, man, if this stays the same, Democrats are going to get absolutely wiped out because there's no – in today's electorate, everything is so polarized. And almost everything that happens is a depiction of what people think about the president of the United States in their first midterm. It's been like that since the 1880s, right? I mean, every single first midterm, generally speaking, the incumbent party in power loses seats, sometimes big number of seats, because it's always a referendum on a change that a new administration has made. If that holds, if that is going to be the case in 2022, you're looking at a massive red wave. And you already have something like 30 Democrats retiring in advance. They, they can see, you know, you can't fire me, I quit. It's one of those situations. They can see what's coming. So they're quietly saying, I think I'm going to go back to the private sector. Now seems like the right time. And but what is it? What like I'm wondering why 51 percent within his own party? Because in the past, you know, the party stands by the leader. Was it Afghanistan? Is it covid? Is it his struggles to seem totally compass mentis? What do you think it is? Well, look, there is a. As we watched the Democratic primary play out in 2020, Democrats were always a little reluctant with Joe Biden to begin with, right? Mm. Maybe it wasn't the one they loved, but it was the one that they ultimately married because of Donald Trump, right? They thought they, that he gave them the best or only chance to take down who they all hated with you know, the power of a thousand sons. Remember, he lost the Iowa caucus, right? Yeah. He, he mm. lost New Hampshire. He went into South Carolina. If he didn't win that, it was over for the Joe Biden campaign. Like yeah. Democrats had made themselves pretty clear. They were not ever really in love with Joe Biden. Fortunately, we know the rest of the, of the history on this. But now as his performance has sort of mirrored what their greatest fears were, that he was missing a step. He was past his prime. He basically may not have been one of them to begin with. And he can't deliver any results. I'm actually not surprised to see Democrats fall as far as they have. I'm not even sure we're at the floor yet. So when when, if at all, do they get the you remember, I think it was George W. George H. W. Bush after he broke his no new taxes promise. Um, they got the permission to the Democrats did. I think it was Newt Gingrich to, I mean, to, to abandon me, him. It, it really feels like Afghanistan was the moment is for so long, you know, Republicans very early on, we're able to make the case that this administration is incredibly incompetent. But then when you saw those images in front of your eyes of people clinging to plane, falling off of planes in this mm. disaster of a withdrawal from Afghanistan, there was no hiding that. Um, those images were all across, you know, first they were online and then the mainstream media had no choice but to, but, but to put them on, on TV. And Americans saw like there's there's no reason any of that is happening other than incompetence. And it kept getting worse. You learned that uh, uh, they had abandoned uh, Bagram Air Force Base and they were using uh, an airport, an unsecure location to do this uh, very immediate and, and, and shoddily thrown together withdrawal, 
resulting in the deaths of, of members of our military. And it was all on this administration's head. I think that was the beginning of when there was no way that the administration could try to, to, to push a lie to the American people that, you know, are you going to trust us? Are you going to trust your lying eyes? It became very clear that this administration is incredibly incompetent, didn't know what they were doing, is in over their head. And it was the beginning of this administration can't even cross the street. They can't get anything right. And, and not only are you seeing Democrats retiring, you're seeing members of this administration running and not just from like Kamala's team. It's at all levels. People who are working in this White House want to leave because they see what a disaster this administration is. But what happened on the heels of Afghanistan, which was, I think, in a lot of ways, like you like you guys have said, the permission slip for these independent voters to start thinking, oh, maybe Biden isn't the guy we were sold he would be. What happened on the heels of Afghanistan? Inflation started to rise. Yep. And it yeah. became the dominant story through the fall. And it really shaped this. It really shaped the final quarter of 2021 in a way that I just I don't know that how they pull themselves out of. That's yeah. exactly they, they, right. They, they fell. They, right? they tried denying like I remember around the 4th of July, they denied that inflation existed. And then it picks up speed. And then they said, well, this is transitory. And then some even tried saying actually inflation is good. And it has continued <laughs> at this pace while they're trying to push this like trillions of dollars spending package on these woke policies that they want. The American people, it just it, it didn't connect with them that how is this administration focused on the things that I face rising gas costs, you know, uh, the cost of groceries? How, how are they concerned with my family and, and what I'm facing on a day to day basis? Smug, and you skipped over the phase of don't be such whiny little bastards. You should enjoy inflation. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That was a key one. Right? Yeah, it's, your, it's your fault things are going wrong. <laughs> Remember exactly. that? Shut up yeah. about your Peloton bikes. That's what this is. This is Jen's <laughs> yeah. like uh, Ron Klain was trying to be like, this is uh, rich people problems. Inflation is right. a rich person problem. Yeah. Well, it was their version of Jimmy Carter's turn the heat down and put on a sweater. Yeah. Right? Yes. It was like, That's right. Drink wine and get on Peloton. It, right? Just deal with it. Right. Meanwhile, um, Bernie was like, I'll do it. Oh, wait, I already did it. Um, <laughs> to, to the point you were just making, there, there was a CNN poll on february 10th uh talking about who who approved who disapproved and um the numbers were equally bad to the ones we're talking about and then they asked those who were disapproving of his overall performance if they could name a single thing he had done that they approved of and of those who disapproved 56 percent said i cannot think of a single thing he has done that benefits the country they had nothing positive to say (laughs) That's a stinger. You know what? Uh, I think I think his you know what I think his problem is? I think he just doesn't control enough of the mainstream media. <laughs> I think that if he had every broadcast network and if he had every newspaper at his beck and call, maybe, maybe uh it's people the, would actually understand it's what the he's unfair, done for the country. Yeah, it's the unfair coverage. I, I think mean, that's primarily. The, totally. it's so funny. Like you, you saw the priorities, it's like the White House is like, uh, yeah, we gotta get rid of the Joe Rogan show. There can be like no voices outside of what they demand the narrative be. It's not like they are trying to solve the problem. They just want to silence anyone pointing it out. But it still doesn't work. It still doesn't. I mean, that's the thing that's so amazing about this. John has said forever, the easiest job in politics is a Democratic press secretary, right? Because Mm -hmm. like anything you come up with, whatever bullshit story you want, it's like in the front page of the New York Times the next day. But somehow, even with all of that, everybody's just like, nope not having it. We're not mm-hmm. having it. Well, I think you're right that the the economy is pu- pushing a lot of these numbers in states like Ohio and so on. But the other thing we haven't talked about is crime. He, yeah. th- this administration and the Democrats who support it in state after state after state have locked up the children and let loose the criminals. That's what they've done. 
Exactly you know, right. and you feel it. You, I don't care what they say. I see my kids not going to school and going to remote schooling and then doing the masks and then sitting behind the plexiglass and all that crazy nonsense and then having to quarantine for 10 days because somebody that they were, you know, within six feet of got COVID, right? And Omicron, which does nothing to the children anyway, right? So like we've all seen that happen and we've seen night after night there are the most disturbing reports and it doesn't it crosses all social classes you know the rich uh, are getting it the poor are getting it the black are getting it the white are getting it the hispanic like it doesn't matter you know asian all everybody's getting attacked on the subways in their apartments in front of their homes there was that the woman who forgive me her name is escaping me but the very well off woman married to somebody in the hollywood industry was attacked in her driveway just completely oh, yeah. it, she was killed in the most brutal fashion. So my point is people see it and the news has no choice but to cover it. And that's why we have people like Nancy Pelosi trying to sound like Tom Cotton. Here, here she is. Tom Corey Cotton. Bush, Congresswoman from Missouri, is saying it's time to defund the police. He's sticking by that. You're the speaker. How do you think Democrats should address rising crime? Well, with all the respect in the world for Corey Bush, that is not the position of the Democratic Party. Community safety to protect and defend in every way is our oath of office. Make no mistake, community safety is our responsibility. And uh, I, I quote one of my colleagues from New York, Richie, Richie Torres, a brand new member of Congress, way on the left, uh, saying that defund the police is dead. That causes a concern with a few in our caucus. But Public safety is our responsibility. You laugh. It's, I mean, you'll miss her when she's gone. Tape. I mean, here's the thing. With respect to Nancy Pelosi, Cory Bush has far more sway in that party than Nancy Pelosi does. You saw a great example with the rent moratorium, which the Biden administration was going to let slip. And then Cory Bush says, we are absolutely not going to let the rent moratorium pass. I don't care if the Supreme Court knocks it down. Uh, Cory Bush went and slept on the Capitol steps. The eviction moratorium. Sudden, what happened? The Biden administration, you know, cried uncle and did what she asked. Nancy mm. Pelosi has no pull on that caucus. What she says is not the message that's going out, not just from Cori Bush, but you're seeing across the country with these radical progressive district attorneys who refuse to prosecute, prosecute crimes. I think the American voters aren't stupid. It's very clear that the Democrats are the ones who are pushing for the longest time, defund the police. They see the chaos that they've unleashed. And, and first they tried saying that actually it's Republicans who want to defund the police. They yeah. realized how stupid that was. So they tried backtracking on that. And now they're saying, oh, no, absolutely. We never said that. It's, it's but, you, but do you absurd. remember no, remember after after the last election, after the 2020 election, there was I can't remember her name. You guys remember. Is it Jackie like Spamberger is what I want to say. It's not right. Yeah. But she, Virginia Congresswoman. Abigail Spamberger. Oh, actually, okay. I did. I did all right. Um, all I could think was Hamburglar. Anyway, um, <laughs> remember she was on tape and they leaked it at, at a, like a DCCC meeting or something. And she was with a fellow Democrats and she's a more moderate Democrat. And she was saying this defund the police crap has got to stop. It's going to kill all moderate Democrats uh, in the next election. And there was all pushback. There was pushback. All, the whole squad was all yeah. over The New York Times the next week. Like, oh, it will not stop. It's going to go on and on and, you know, get with the times. And I'm sorry. And now it's like, oh, it's dead. I swear I it's the, dead. I think the bigger problem is that nobody informed the Hamburglar that she's belonging to the wrong party at this point, because <laughs> at this point, they're lock, stock and barrel 
with the defund the police crowd, right? And yeah. like Nancy Pelosi, God bless her. I mean, she has not uttered a word in years that is the least bit believable. I mean, that was just comic. It was like a comedy routine to watch her do that. I mean, her last two years, I mean, going into 2020, it was like a defund the police extravaganza. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, they there was like bipartisan bills sponsored by Rick or uh, by Tim Scott in the Senate to, to, to have very serious police reforms that mm. she urged the filibuster of because she wanted to cater to this far left sort of defund the police crowd that was all or nothing in terms of community violence, and, which she's talking about. And I about. think uh, another thing is this is an example of do you believe her lying words or the policies that you've seen in front of your eyes? There's yes. a very deranged irony looking at states where Democrats govern, where I mean, for years we, we've been told that solitary confinement is one of the like worst things. It's incredibly mentally uh, uh, harmful for individuals to be subject to uh, solitary confinement. Meanwhile, COVID hits. They want the American people in solitary confinement, but they empty the prisons. Right. They let people out of mental uh, facilities who are dangerous. They let them loose on the streets of, of, of New York. Meanwhile, everyone else is expected to put themselves in solitary confinement. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, solitary confinement is very damaging house. unless you're a January 6th protester, in which case it's fine. It can go on yeah, that's, that's and on. No problem. OK, we're going to go on and on, too. Let me squeeze in a quick break. And then we've got to talk about Chris Cuomo and the latest in the weird little wars happening at CNN with the one and only ruthless stars. Don't go away. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Back to the guys in one second, but first it's time for another edition of Thanks But No Thanks, where we say thanks but no thanks to a story bubbling up in the news. Look, I've said it before, I don't totally get Bitcoin and crypto. Eric Bowling was here a while ago and he tried to explain it to me. Adam Curry did too. David Sachs recently, I don't know, still don't know. But I did see a story about Bitcoin this week that made me a little more interested than I was before. Last week in New York City, Two married entrepreneurs were arrested and charged with laundering more than 119,000 Bitcoin after a heist of Bitcoin back in 2016. Somebody stole Bitcoin and then these two were accused of laundering Bitcoin or at least 119,000 Bitcoin. At the time, their loot was worth about 71 million. Today, those Bitcoins are valued at more than 4.5 billion. Who are these master criminals? Ilya Lichtenstein is 34 years old and appears to be your typical tech bro. I find 10 different slices that are all very, very closely related that you can have one sales rep that knows really, really well how to sell to a particular kind of company and just dominate all of those. Okay, well, he's sort of boring. But then there's his wife. 31-year-old Heather Morgan, also arrested in this billion-dollar Bitcoin heist. She is a prolific blogger over on the Forbes Contributor Network. 
among other publications, writing columns like Why Women Often Beat Men at Negotiation and How to Become a Successful YouTuber. That last column is important because Morgan is a bit of a YouTuber herself. She loves the camera. Over on her YouTube channel, which has sadly been taken down, she goes by the name RazzleCon and performs raps that have a bit of a financial theme to them. <laughs> Take a listen to this one called Versace Bedouin. Warning, explicit, and very bizarre lyrics coming. This song is for the entrepreneurs and hackers, all the misfits and smart slackers. RazzleCon, the Versace Bedouin, come real far but don't know where I'm heading. Motherfucking crocodile of Wall Street, silver on my fingers and boots on my feet. Always be a goat, not a goddamn sheep. Email me, fuck your message at the beep. I'm sorry, what? What happens at the beep? What? <laughs> this is real. Should we hear a little more from this Bitcoin thief rapper? Alleged. Alleged. Here it is. I'm many things. A rapper, an economist, a journalist, a writer, a CEO, and a dirty, 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 dirty hoe. Better than most writers. Creepier than most girls. Weirder than most rappers, but I still rock pearls. I'm sure Forbes was thrilled. <laughs> a little speechless. But I do think I understand Bitcoin more than I understand RazzleCon. Will RazzleCon return to rapping? She's posted bail. She was released from prison this week while her husband, single tear, is still being held on $5 million bail. They each face as much as 20 years in prison, and the Department of Justice has now recovered the stolen Bitcoin. Yay! I'm not giving up on Bitcoin just yet. Someday, someone will explain it to me in a way that I understand. But as for those rapping billion-dollar Bitcoin burglars, I'm saying thanks, but no thanks. We'll be right back with our with our friends talking about all the nonsense over at CNN uh, and the bombshell dropped on what the final allegation was against Chris Cuomo. Stand by. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting you're working hard real hard and you're thirsty you need vitamins nutrients for peak performance and energy and your plants do too Aww. i mean just look at the little guy water soluble plant food from miracle grow is full of essential nutrients just a little scoop into your watering can and boom instant feeding and bigger more beautiful plants it's kind of like a sports drink for your plants you may have to suffer from heat but your plants do not Of all the coverage, of all the coverage in the Cuomo saga at CNN, Jeff Zucker, yada, 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 you guys did the very best thing I've seen or heard anywhere. You know what you did. You <laughs> know what you did. Wait, wait. Yeah, knocking the pipes. Yeah, For the audience so I mean, that's uh, not familiar. It- so the story involved the revelation that Jeff Zucker had been having a long-term affair with his underling, Allison Gollist. 
who was in line to become the next CEO. And they claimed it just started during the pandemic. But a lot of reporting, including my own, puts the affair way, way back farther than that, which would be more problematic because he was promoting her up the line, giving her raises while he was sleeping with her. Just should be on its face, obviously unethical, but some people need help over at CNN understanding it. Um, okay, so one of the bizarre facts that came out in the reporting was that he had moved her, or let's just say she had moved in right above Jeff Zucker and his wife and his children, the same very swanky Tony apartment building on Fifth Avenue. How did she afford that? Let the viewers decide. She and her husband and her kids moved in right above him. And so his affair partner, if they were having the affair back then, which is what I and others have reported based on our sources, um, they were one floor away from each other while their spouses were right there having an affair and working together. I mean, this is how bizarre and bad this whole thing is. And I was shocked and a lot of people were horrified. And the guys at Ruthless handled it as follows when I downloaded, I hit play on my previously downloaded Ruthless podcast this morning, that morning. And this is what I heard. Listen to these geniuses. Hey girl, what you doing down there? Dancing alone every night while I live right above you. I can hear your music playing. I can hear your body swaying. One floor below me, you don't even know me. I love you. Here it comes. Oh my darling. On the ceiling if you want me. Mm, twice on the pipe. If the answer is no. Oh my sweetness. Not. Means you'll meet me in the hallway. Oh, twice on the pipe. Means you ain't gonna show. It's amazing. Who thought of that? Who? Whose mind goes to Tony Orlando? Yeah, can I can I please just say that this was Michael Duncan's idea? Yeah. Oh, I'm sad he's, he's not guy. here to take the credit. He's the, yeah, he's the guy who who couldn't be here today, but he he deserves he deserves a lot of the credit for this. He deserves, he, but but I will say, so he came up with the idea. The most hilarious part, the part you would laugh about the most, is we spent the majority of our prep time trying to figure out what we could use in the office that sounded like the ceiling and a pipe. To knock on. <laughs> to knock on. Play into the mic. You went method. So, we were like pulling stuff out of closets. We had Hollywood Hen in here. She was dinging on some. Ba- I mean, we had like basically everyone in our office involved in trying to put this thing <laughs> What together. I love is that as it goes on, you can hear you guys getting more and more into it. Like the rub. Yeah. Oh, my darling. <laughs> <laughs> we were loving it. Well, it was, the, it was the feeling of Tony Orlando, right? I mean, he, look, he wrote some beautiful words. We just kind of worked off of it. I mean, it's, it's incredible how bizarre this story is. And how well it matches way. up. It's, yeah, right. com- it's completely insane that they thought this is a normal thing to do is, all right, we're having an affair. I'll just move upstairs. Very normal thing to do. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's it's very clear that there's something wrong there. And so Jeff Zucker, or the, just for the audience, give me one minute to just bring him up to speed. Uh, you have Chris Cuomo get fired because Jeff Zucker says, oh, you did that much helping of your brother? Oh, I didn't realize it was that much. OK, then you're fired. And Chris Cuomo's like, you knew everything I did. Who are you trying to kid? Um, and I'm coming for you. So he hired a great lawyer and they are coming for Jeff Zucker and for CNN. And he wants his 18 million dollars in severance, which is three years of six million. And um, next thing we know, Jeff Zucker's fired, too. 
And it's like, wait, what happened to Jeff Zucker? Well, he says, I'm resigning. He was forced out because I had a consensual affair with uh, with a with an underling. And uh, sorry, it was the wrong thing. I should have disclosed it. But now it comes out, you know, like how long were they really having the affair? And it turns out that those two were also very, very cozy with Andrew Cuomo. Chris Cuomo may have been less cozy with Andrew than Alison Gallist and Jeff Zucker, the two people running CNN. And my own reporting says that they were advising him. They were the ones who told him to have those press conferences at 1130 every day because that was dead air time during CNN. They knew they could take it and respond to it appropriately. Then they were advising him on how to how to respond to Trump, who was sort of all over the board at the time and his covid messaging gave Andrew an opportunity how to respond to any attacks on him by Trump. They were massaging the messages as though they worked for Andrew Cuomo. Deeply problematic, especially when you consider they then fired Chris Cuomo for what? Advising the governor. Um, so that's sort of where it was. But Alison Gallas, the chief marketing officer, again, in line to become CEO, she kept her job and she was like, I'm not going anywhere. And I tweeted out at the time, she's going to be fired. She will not keep her job. And sure enough, two weeks later, she's gone. She's, you know, she resigned. She was forced out too. And she's, playing the victim, saying, oh, they released it before I had the chance to release it. And I cannot believe that they are retaliating against me this way after nine years of service. Um, and so, yeah, playing the victim. So that's how it goes. I do want to read you what she said. Uh, Warner Media's media statement tonight about her resignation is an attempt to retaliate against me and change the media narrative in the wake of their disastrous handling of the last two weeks. Do you mean of your own ethical breaches and your double faced behavior with respect to Chris Cuomo and everybody else? What do you mean? They, they handled the disaster. You got caught and it was a debacle because you got caught. You embarrassed your company. Then she goes on. It is deeply disappointing that after spending the past nine years defending and upholding CNN's highest standards of journalistic integrity, I would be treated this way as I leave. But I do so with my head held high, knowing that I gave my heart and soul to working with the finest journalists in the world. So she was upholding the highest standards of journalistic integrity when she was reportedly. I mean, actually, this is I, I I reported this out myself, calling up his staff, yelling at them if they wouldn't give her direct ac- access to Andrew, for whom she worked for a stint as well, yelling at him so he could come on CNN when she wanted him so they get the biggest ratings boost possible so she could help him massage his message and look good and become an even bigger star in the Democratic Party. Sure. Journalistic integrity. You go. You go, girl. You go all the way out the door. Well, that's the thing is, I, I think actually uh, Chris Cuomo has a really strong case here for wrongful termination. When they say they fired him, uh, he'll say, I'm being fired for helping elect Democrats. I thought that was the job description at CNN. <laughs> that's what we do here, folks. How are you going to fire me for this? <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, that's the exact thing I was thinking of. Like the whole thing is evidence for why being a Democrat press secretary is the easiest job yeah. in town because mm. it, because. The, the names of the people we're talking about here, it's a Democrat press secretary. It's the guy who runs a major cable network. It's one of the hosts of the major cable network. And it's the governor who the press secretary used to work for. And you wonder why Republicans are like, oh, gee, <laughs> Democrats sure have it easy. <laughs> it's so true. And can I tell you why, you know, something smells like I still have questions about why Jeff Zucker ultimately fired Chris Cuomo. He, he stuck mm-hmm. by him originally and then incremental details came out from the New York State AG. I mean, they they weren't good. It was that he was allegedly helping with oppo research on one of Andrew Cuomo's sexual harassment accusers, something Cuomo denied. But he that's when Zucker said, "Okay, it's more than we knew. It's a bridge too far. You're gone. 
And now what they're saying and what was clearly a Jeff Zucker, Alison Gallist placed New York Times hit piece on Chris Cuomo is there is more. It was this thing that got short shrift in the media, but it was the thing that it was the straw that broke the camel's back. And it was this 11th hour allegation that came to us while we were deciding his fate from a lawyer representing a young woman. The lawyer's name is Deborah Katz. The young woman remains anonymous. She's a prominent sexual harassment lawyer who claimed that years earlier, earlier when Cuomo was at ABC, it was 2011, um, he had allegedly sexually assaulted a woman, a, a, a young temporary ABC employee. They said the woman was hoping for a full time job, according to this lawyer making the allegation. One day after Mr. Cuomo, quoting from The Times report, an anchor had offered her career advice. He invited her to lunch in his office, according to the letter interviews with the woman and emails between her and Mr. Cuomo, which the Times reviewed. When she arrived, there was no food for the alleged lunch. Instead, Mr. Cuomo badgered her for sex. And after she declined, he assaulted her. She said she ran out of the room later that day. The woman who was still seeking a job tried to smooth things over by writing Mr. Cuomo friendly emails. So clearly, if he ever speaks to this more robustly, he's going to say, I did nothing to her. Look at these nice emails she sent me later that very same day. Does this sound like a woman who's been assaulted by me in my office? And, you know, we've seen that pattern play out many times. Sometimes women do do that, you know, send the nice email because they're just panicked. They need a job. And sometimes they lie. You know, it hasn't been adjudicated. The Times interviewed five friends and former colleagues who said this woman did indeed tell them that Cuomo had made unwelcome sexual requests. She said that only in the past year did she begin to tell people that Mr. Cuomo had also assaulted her which she hadn't previously divulged because it was private and painful. All right. So that's her story. She told people, but she only told half the story. Again, this would be part of his defense saying her story's changed. Now that I've fallen on hard times, she decided to add to it. You know, she's pissed off. I didn't give her a job, whatever. This is why we tend to let these things play out more fully in, in with lawyers or what have you before we fire people. Um, And it goes on from there saying uh, that then in the height of the Me Too uprising, after Lauer went down and Charlie Rose went down, uh, Mr. Cuomo, Chris, contacted the woman seemingly out of the blue. He proposed arranging a CNN segment about the company where she now worked doing public relations. The woman tried to avoid any contact with Mr. Cuomo, but CNN did ultimately broadcast a segment anyway. The young woman suspected he was concerned about her coming forward publicly and was basically trying to curry favor with her to keep her mm. quiet during the height of Me Too. Um, so th- none of this is good. And and if he did that, he's disgusting on so many levels, so many levels. But I will say in his defense, guys, how could that have been the last straw? There, there was no investigation. There was only a lawyer writing a letter. Yeah. Yeah. Who who happened to be the lawyer, if I'm not mistaken, who represented Blasey Ford in the Kavanaugh allegations, yes. which I think we I knew I knew that name. name. Yeah. Who, who you know, I mean, if you play that out, that the facts didn't exactly support her client in the end. Um, so, you know, she has a habit of of bringing these kinds of things. I don't know whether or not this was truthful or not. I'm certainly not going to make judgment on that. But you're right. It was the first allegation of that. The thing that would surprise me, though, 
is that in that piece, that's the only thing. It was like it was a like a bolt of lightning that that came into CNN's office. It was like, oh, we now know that he's got uh, allegations of sexual impropriety. I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking at a New York Times opinion piece entitled "Chris Cuomo Sexually Harassed Me," September twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. That's two months before we're talking about Shelly Ross. I, yeah, I, so I'm trying to figure out what you're trying to figure out exactly how this all became the tie that they used to sort of throw him overboard mm-hmm. when all these other things are happening concurrently, especially when it comes to Zucker, because I mean, that mention of Matt Lauer is perfect because Matt Lauer was like, uh, you know, the protege of Zucker when Zucker was at NBC. <laughs> he was he was he was very much known to let Lauer have have the run of the place and do whatever he wanted. He was fine with it then. So for it's a great for Zucker to be dis- disgusted by this all of a sudden. It's a real commonality if you look at it. Yeah, I think it's no a great one's ever call. dug into that. No one, piece. no one has ever taken a hard look at what did Zucker do when Matt yep. Lauer was running around harassing all the interns, some of whom I've interviewed on the air. Um, yeah. What was Jeff Zucker's role in protecting Matt Lauer back then? And while, according to Rolling Stone, Jeff Zucker himself himself was stooping the young trainee in PR who went on to become his affair partner for many years. Right. He denies it. But that's what Rolling Stone's reporting. And again, I refer you back to my own report earlier. So no one's taken a hard look at that. And I will tell you something else. Zucker continues to say, well, you know, he was advising not just his brother, but when we found out that he was advising his staff, too. I mean, that's just beyond, you know, it's one thing brother to brother, but like you're you're dealing with the staff and advising them. That's a that's a campaign operative. Can't have it. Can't have it at CNN. Cuomo's alleging Zucker did the same. But listen to this. I went back and looked at this. New York Times, April 5th, 2020. Okay, this is during the Cuomo brothers show, right, that he was putting them on every night. Um, And it's this glowing profile of Chris and Andrew. It'll make you vomit in your mouth. I swear. Don't read it. Um, But it's, of course, it's Ben Smith of The New York Times just fawning over them. And everybody loves it, whatever. And in that article. So this is a year and a half prior to him getting fired for for, quote, advising Andrew Cuomo's staff, which Jeff Zucker found a bridge too far. Ben Smith writes as follows, quote, Chris has also been an advisor to his brother, people who have worked for Andrew told me, sometimes extending his advice to the governor's staff. So and Jeff Zucker is quoted in this article. Jeff Zucker knew about this article. He cooperated with this article. He knew very well back in April 2020 when he was putting on the on the air that Chris Cuomo was advising Andrew, was advising Andrew's staff, was very, was up to the, you know, I'm th- picturing like the, the OBGYN delivering the baby up to here in all of the stuff. And <laughs> Didn't have any problem with it. So I just, something smells to me in all of this. Yes. And Chris Cuomo's now raising the similar points, I'm sure. Just to add one little texture piece to that, I saw reported out last week that the first time anybody's seen Zucker in public last week was having lunch with Ben Smith. Ben Smith. It's it's a really like the little web that they have going on in, yes. in, in the media over there is is I mean this is why legacy media is dying is because <laughs> you've had these kind of people as decision makers who've and, and and let alone I think I think one of the good points that the New York Times article made is it's not like Zucker was doing a great job CNN's ratings were the worst they've ever been they were in third place they're getting destroyed and 
only this is how the reckoning comes about for him. It's unbelievable. I think he I think ruined make- CNN. He ruined yep. it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You you make you make a good point because stepping back for a minute, this is a network that's ostensibly supposed to be about providing people with information. Yep. Giving them an understanding. People people have jobs. They have lives. They have kids. They have things going on. And so they turn on TV to find out the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, the how, and that's it. And what they've been fed is is complete propaganda for one party, for one for the for the brother of one of their hosts. And then oh, and then we're all supposed to just be like, oh, you know what? The guy that ran the network, he was trying his best. Yes. The guy who was who was on the on TV, he was doing his best. You know, it's his brother. Oh, it's his brother's press secretary. To be honest with you, the entire thing should fall. It should yeah. fall because they were doing something that they should not do. Just give people information. I mean, that's it right there. This used to be the network where when the Persian War, uh, Gulf War was going on, you had Wolf yeah, Blitzer reporting with scuds flying over right. his head. Right. And now it's you, you, you've you got the guy who is sleep, who was sleeping with uh, Cuomo's previous communications director, who's now an executive at his station. They also hired the brother of Cuomo. Like, this isn't a news organization. Right. <laughs> this is like a criminal <laughs> enterprise. Like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> it's true. And but for them worry. to be like. You, you know, he lied. He lied to us about the fullest extent of his involvement. It's like, dudes, he lied when he came out of the basement and pretended that that was his first big yeah, emerging. Exactly. Like he lied. He's lied. Exactly. So who are you kidding with your journalistic integrity? They yep. remember the banana ad during Trump it was like, yes. this is a banana or was it an orange, whatever. But it was like an apple. OK, whatever. Some fruit. And they were like. They may tell you that it's a banana, but it's an apple. It's an apple. Facts are facts. And we report the facts. They lie at every turn. Everything was a was a lie. I mean, they dedicated three years of network time to doing nothing but trying to explain how Russia had hijacked the 2016 election in concert with the Trump campaign that we should all look through every various detail of this in perpetuity every single day when what now we know all of it was complete horseshit, yeah. Yeah. right? I mean, they and just there's no apology from them. There's no apology no. from them. No, no not even an acknowledgement, no, not no, even no, a, like yeah. a, a correction, you know, like going back and saying, OK, we got we got this wrong. OK, so, and that leads me to, you know, the current blackout on the John Durham motion. That that no. dropped last Friday. Right. So John Durham, special prosecutor who's looking into how this Russiagate conspiracy theory, which was a lie, got spread so willingly by so many at the highest levels. And um, one by one, he's picking people off. And one of the guys he in- indicted was this guy, Michael Sussman, not long ago, a lawyer who came into the FBI in I think it was 16 and said, oh, I got some information for you on Trump communicating with this bank. You know, I think he's communicating with this bank and it's bad. It's coming from Trump Tower. And the FBI was like, "Mm, do you represent anybody? Do we need to know whether you have a conflict of interest? And he was like, me, who me? No, I'm concerned citizen. I'm Michael Sussman. I just want to do the right thing. Gee, golly, gee, Willikers. Why would you think I'd represent somebody? Meanwhile, according to reports, the FBI already knew. They knew he represented the Hillary Clinton campaign, but it was not disclosed. And now he's been charged with lying to the FBI. So in an emotion, it was about a conflict of interest with the law firms involved. John Durham says last Friday, oh, boy, Michael Sussman. He was up to no good. He basically worked with some tech executive. It was basically a tech executive um, who it's the story is so convoluted. But as far as I can tell, and you guys jump in if I if you think I get it wrong, because there's the, the reporting has been diametrically opposed in the right wing and the left wing. Um, he had access, this tech executive, to servers um, at the executive office of the White House 
and also at Trump Tower. And he so he it's not that he impermissibly accessed the servers. It's that he used his access to gather information. And then he took that information to the CIA to try to make Trump look bad. He he. And then who did he use? Michael Sussman. Right. He once again, he, he didn't. And the, the reason they use lawyers, by the way, is so that they, they say, oh, attorney client privilege will cover this. They can never pierce it. Hillary Clinton is a lot of things. Stupid is not on the list. And um, so they use Sussman, use the lawyer, attorney client. So he went in there and he's like, hey, look at this stuff. There are there are Russian communications with a Russian iPhone, smartphone coming out of Trump Tower and out of the executive office of the White House. And I think you should look into it, given you know, that what they're now saying is, you know, given the fact that the Russians had hacked the DNC during the campaign, and all that, we you know we were just concerned. We just again, gee willikers, we're just concerned citizens. You should look into this sweet little FBI and CIA. And this and what Durham is saying in the indictment is it was laughable that if you actually took spent five minutes to look at what they were presenting, it was like phone communications that had been happening since 2014, you know, with some Russian phone. I mean, there's just people have them. It's like not a thing. And that they wanted to direct our attention to 3000 that had happened around Trump Tower. But meanwhile, there were millions that had well predated Trump entering the White and on and on. So just just a smear campaign that they were trying to orchestrate against Donald Trump. Okay, so that's my long winded explanation of what I think is happening. But zero coverage from those who were breathless about Russiagate for two years. It's unbelievable. This storyline blotted out the sun for two whole years. And you're talking about it, Megan. We're talking about it on our little show there. The New York Post wrote about it. But did it lead the New York Times this morning? No. Did it lead the Washington Post? No. Did any network news uh, uh, broadcast cover it? No. And I'm telling you, this is this is part and parcel of why people do not trust mainstream media, because there is no journalistic curiosity. You know, there are reporters out there who actually are curious, but their corporate overlords are saying, keep your curiosity to yourself, pal. We are not interested in it. We need to protect Democrats. I mean, I think this is a case study in journalism because you look at the motivation uh, that Sussman had is I know if I can just create this uh, uh, fake uh, set up and, and present this that I'm taking this to the FBI and I leak just just that it's being investigated by the FBI to the New York Times. I guarantee they run with it. And they did. And then you have uh, when, when Durham says anyone would look at this for two seconds and know it's fake. The fact that it persists for two years is because there's no journalistic curiosity. No journalist actually tried to figure out, hey, you know, this is kind of ridiculous. Instead, we had Time magazine that was like covering the cover with the White House is being taken over by Russia. They run with a narrative. They don't run with facts. They don't investigate anything. Where where is this coming from? What's the motivation of the source who's telling me this? Oh, they seem to work for Democrats. Oh, they're paid by Democrats. But they all work for Democrats. I mean, that's the other piece of this is that half the intel community was on payroll either at MSNBC or CNN, whether you're talking Mm -hmm. about Clapper or Brennan and the rest of them. I mean, it was a huge moneymaker. They were all over there. So so they, they they didn't need to do much, right? I mean, you just kind of bring this thing to light and all your people, all your Clintonistas, which make up the better part of the deep state. And it's real, folks. It's real. Uh, they make up the better part of the deep state can just go with it, right? I mean, they- this one's particularly pernicious for a lot of reasons. We don't know enough about it yet. I'll say that, Megan, that like the Durham report and more indictments need to happen before we have definitive conclusions. But what we do know is this guy that you were talking about, this tech executive, Rodney Joffe, or whatever his name is. This yeah. is a guy who had a government contract to try to help intelligence agencies combat hacking. 
essentially, right? So, I mean, it's, I guess he's a relevant person around the time that Russia literally did do a, f- a fair amount of hacking. Yeah, they did. Um, to, to talk to, right? But the problem is, is that somehow with Sussman, I don't know if it's him going to Sussman or Sussman going to him. All I know is this guy seemed to want a job in the Clinton administration. And boy, oh boy, Sussman seems like a pretty good guy to talk to about that. Well, right? here's, so the, here's the other thing. If it was so innocent, Josh, right? If this guy, why bring in Sussman at all, right? Why not just go directly right. and say, I found, I found something. Why bring in Sussman? who he knew was the Hillary Rodham Clinton campaign's lawyer. And if Sussman was so innocent, why not tell the FBI you're working for her? Why did he not disclose it? You just wouldn't conceal that unless you felt like there was something you were trying to conceal, right? I mean, it's just it just is obvious. And he wanted the intel agencies to open up and investigate. He wanted the intel agencies to start spying on Trump. This was the bait. This was the trap that he and his bosses were laying. And, you know, it was definitely Sussman and this tech executive. And from what we know from John Durham on the behalf of Hillary Clinton, though, that piece of the story has yet that loop has yet to be closed. Well, they had a pretty good track record of success, if you recall, because just a few months earlier, they used the Steele dossier, which was paid for by the Clinton campaign to persuade the FBI to open a case in the first place. Right. right? So this is just the next logical step. That's exactly right, that they knew that the FBI could be exploited because they knew what the FBI's politics were and they expected them to jump at this just like they jumped at the last piece of information. But bizarrely, for once. They didn't. <laughs> Even the FBI right. was like, eh, this is actually this isn't so persuasive. Like these numbers, if you look at them, mm, these aren't so good. This, you know, it, like I said, it went well back before Trump was anywhere near the executive office of the White House. And, you know, this doesn't seem like a Trump a Trump talking to Putin on some, you know, banana phone in the basement. <laughs> and I mean, I think there should absolutely be a reckoning in the media for what has been foisted upon the American people. For years, the, this was absolute lies, this conspiracy theory that was reported as news and the absurdity of you could have a guy who was uh, an intern making the coffee at the FBI and CNN would put him on primetime about what's your analysis about Russia? Do you believe that the KGB and Putin are working with President Trump? It was a moneymaker for so many people. How many book deals were out there? Yeah. How many people got promoted being journalists pushing more of this garbage? Look, Smug, I think there is a reckoning in the media, and I think it it has come in the form of Joe Rogan. I think it has come in the form of Megyn Kelly, and I think it has come in a small way in the form of the Ruthless Variety program. Yeah, right. We have an audience. They don't have, That's they, right. There's nothing they can say about it. That's right. <laughs> and the and program all they try to do in that instance part. is try to shut down all opponents. You know, they're like, but, they want the to Joe get Rogan- Joe Rogan The Joe Rogan thing is an apt place to go because look at how the White House, the White House. okay, it wasn't just, you know, left wing media and left wing pundits. The White House weighed in on Joe Rogan, encouraging big tech to censor him. I mean, there are serious First Amendment concerns when that happens. The the press shrugged its shoulders. The press wanted the same thing. The same press that lied to us with zero accountability about Russiagate for two years. And whether you like Trump or you don't like Trump, you cannot argue that they didn't seriously undermine his presidency. They actively work to undermine his presidency and the trust of the American people in in our commander in chief without ever owning it. And then they want us to believe them when they look at Joe Rogan and say, 
disinformation, misinformation that we cannot brook. That is a bridge too far. You know, we, the truth tellers, the ones who see the apple, we know where the line gets drawn. No one believes you anymore. Yeah. Well, I think, look, I think that the scariest thing that's happened in the last couple of years is the consolidation of power amongst the media, which considered itself the champions of the First Amendment, titans of business, tech industry, all the purveyors of information in this country to basically become state actors, right? All of these folks at one point or another considered themselves to be fighting the man, right? To bringing truth to power, to asking the questions that people deserve to be. They were the fourth estate, right? I mean, these are the people who held government accountable, but somehow at the end of the Trump, at not even the end, I'd say throughout the Trump presidency, but now it's in full bore now. These people have become the mouthpiece of the state. And, and, and it's, I th- it's a great example is, is the Hunter Biden laptop. That's that exactly your post going. gets shut down. I mean, this is a paper that was started by Alexander Hamilton and they get shut down on Twitter for putting out what, what other media outlets are saying. This is misinformation. This could be the Russians, the Russians again. Like they, they, they mm-hmm. had years of priming the public into believing this made up garbage. And to saying, oh, well, this is the Russians again. Well, I think they had like Clapper or Brennan or one of those guys say that all the hallmarks, all the hallmarks, all the hallmarks. Yeah, they all wrote that big letter. Remember, they all wrote that big letter that was published in, I think it was the Times or the Post. And it's like, once again, we don't, sadly, we no longer have faith in them either. We don't believe in our intel community anymore. We don't believe in our public health community anymore. We don't believe in our White House and our leaders anymore. Certainly not in the losers in Congress. I mean, we never did. Um, and so where do you turn? Right? Like, where do you go? So, OK, maybe you go to Joe Rogan for straight talking information. No, shut him down. Right. Maybe you do come to me. Maybe you do go to the program. We're still hanging in there. Uh, but yeah. bit by bit, they're trying to silence all the dissenting voices and amplify their own. But the American people, as you pointed out earlier, it's amazing because they're catching on and you need only look to San Francisco to know it. All right. Don't go anywhere because it, the truth is coming out even up north, even across the border, up north in Canada, um, where Justin Trudeau seems to have lost his mind. He's I mean, he I, like he's lost his mind. I don't know what he, he using a new hairspray. Something happened because he went full dictator. And it's really kind of insane. Um, Went from saying these protesters are a small fringe minority to to enacting emergency powers to stop them. And what he's doing is actually kind of scary. We'll be right back with that. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. So let's talk about our neighbor to the north, uh, Canada. Justin Trudeau has lost his ever-loving mind. Um, The man who marched with the BLM protesters, actually took a knee with them, absolutely loved those protests, has now treated these guys uh, like, I mean, it. it, I'm not going to say it's Tiananmen Square all over again, but it's a little scary. I mean, it's what, what he's doing. So here is what he's decided to do. Um, invoked the Emergencies Act, which is, you know, doesn't sound good. Um, the Emergencies Act. Um, and it's the first time they've done it in a half a century that uh, he had 
repeated assurance. Uh, he'd offered repeated assurances that the act would not be used to suspend fundamental rights. But indeed, it has been. He's he's banned public assembly. Police across the across the country will now be able to seize the trucks and all vehicles in the blockades. Uh, demonstrations that, quote, go beyond lawful protest are now banned. Um, formally bans blockades in designated areas like border crossings and the city of Ottawa. Tow truck operators will be compelled to work with law enforcement if they do not cooperate, which they've been saying they won't. They could face arrest. You will cooperate. You will tow that truck or you will be arrested. That's where that's going. Insurance companies will be required to revoke insurance on any vehicles used in the blockades. All these trucks are going to lose their insurance. Um, Christia Freeland Christia Freeland, the deputy prime minister and finance minister, outlined several other measures. And this is where it gets really dark, including um, they are going to expand money laundering and anti-terrorism powers to control quite a few things. Number one, the online crowdfunding platforms that have helped finance the protests. Um, Police will be exchanging information with banks about the protesters and their personal and business accounts may be frozen. They're going to freeze their personal bank accounts so these truckers can get no money. Credit card processors and fundraising services will be required to report any blockade related campaigns to Canada's anti-money laundering agency. So if you if somebody makes a donation, right, and you get it on your credit card, or whatever, they've all got to rat out the truckers. Uh, And on and on it goes. I'm terrified that this can happen in a country so close in terms of its, you know, civil liberties, at least its general approach to them as ours. You know, Megan, it's it's just unbelievable. I grew up in Ohio and we my buddies and I, we just always sort of considered Canada as America's hat. And, you know, we look at it right now and these truckers are absolute leaders. They are leaders in their country. They're standing up for what they believe. Here they are just trying to provide for themselves and their family. And they're being told, no, you're not allowed. And what this guy, Justin Trudeau, is doing is absolutely outrageous. And what he's done to the country is basically turned it from America's hat into America's Yushanka. It is it is turning into a socialist figment of what it used to be and it's just it's a shame i hope that i hope that the people continue to rise up in canada guys there's no court order there's no there's no authorization for this like he doesn't he's just doing it he's just declaring himself the emperor invoking this emergencies act that is in place for like a post 9-11 moment and ruining their lives i I think it's all again it's emblematic of the modern left where i mean they don't they, they don't, it's not just that they don't care about the working class. They have disdain for the working class. They, they want to say, listen, uh, you, you need to just deliver my DoorDash order. Leave it at the door. Don't knock. Uh, I don't want eye contact. Just do, you know, serve me as I need. My job lets me work by Zoom. I don't need you. Um, and, and just keep your mouth shut. Do as you're told. They're, 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 these truckers are, are the definition of essential workers. They got food to the grocery stores during a pandemic. And they're being treated like criminals and terrorists by their government. And going beyond that, when you mentioned uh, the finances of the situation, uh, Reuters News published a hacked list of donors who had given money yeah. to the truckers. 
And some of those are business owners. There's an, uh, an article in the uh, Ottawa Citizen about uh, a lady having to close her shop because she's been getting so many threats and attacked for being, her name being put out there as donating to these people. It's unbelievable. Did you see the Washington Post is reaching out to these people on the hacked list? And, and, and I kid you not, you, I see that you donated $40 to this fund to help these truckers in Canada. How do you respond? $40? From the Washington Post, are you kidding me? It just it is unbelievable to me that they're doing this. There was a similar situation in Cincinnati last fall. The Cincinnati Inquirer, the local newspaper, put on the front page of their website the home address and the name of a middle class family who had the temerity to give twenty dollars to a school board candidate. They th this is this is outrageous bullying from the media. And we need to stand up. Yeah, and journalism stop it. used to be, uh, was it, uh, afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. And it's the exact opposite now at this point, where mm -hmm. they work hand in hand with the state and, and they're willing to act as, as, as their enforcers and crush those who oppose them. I mean, the guy is trying to take the trucks and finances of people who are the lifeblood of a country during a pandemic. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And let's keep in mind what, what are the truckers? asking for what is this over the canadians have had enough they've reached their breaking point the restrictions up there have been almost australian like in their yeah. severity and so these truckers were the were the ones to finally say we've had it because they implemented a vaccine mandate 90 percent of the truckers are vaccinated but they were going to basically say to the remaining 10 percent you take goods into america good luck coming back into canada if you don't have a vaccine you're gonna have to quarantine for two weeks and they realized this is absurd that's what this started as. And I get it's problematic to block the bridges and all that. And, you know, I mean, I think you can make a good case that it's not the same thing as burning people's stores and murdering people like we saw during BLM, um, which, of course, our media completely excused in the latter case. Um, but I get, OK, some lawlessness there. So, yeah, maybe you find a way to sort of remove the trucks there. But to shut down the whole protest to target anyone who supported it, to ruin lives by cutting off access to the bank accounts and canceling their insurance. They can't even do business ever again if they, if they can't get insured, if they can't get access to their banks. Yeah, is, yeah, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Is uh, You've got fiery but mostly peaceful versus honking is terrorism and their assets should be frozen. Yeah. yeah I, you know, the thing is that I take some comfort in, though, is, I mean, what's that saying? A leader without any followers, just a guy taking a walk. I feel like Trudeau is going to be taking a walk on this deal, right? I mean, look, Canadians are far more patient than Americans. They're far more liberal than Americans in terms of what they're willing to put up with as evidenced by the fact that it's taken this to get to a point where you start to roll back some of the things that this guy has done. But I mean, I spent a ton of time in Canada as a, as a kid. My, my family had a place we would go fishing up there and people aren't going to take it, right? I mean, when you start talking about freezing people's bank accounts, when you this isn't we're not talking about Russia here. We're not talking about China. These, these are people who are not conditioned for the government to play an everyday role in their lives and tell them what they can and cannot do. There's an awful lot of real estate there that is essentially ungoverned. Right. And so I, I think that he is making a traumatic mistake, not just from a civil liberty standpoint and from a governing standpoint, but from a political standpoint, there could be a massive realignment in Canada that realigns their traditional liberals and their traditional conservatives in a much different place, much like we've seen, frankly, happen with the United States over the mm -hmm. last three, four years, 
where your, your middle class coalition is an entirely different place than it used to be. And if that happens, it's going to be bad news. Be curtains for guys like Justin Trudeau, who, by the way, looks as soft as Egyptian cotton. I can't believe he's a dictator. Right? <laughs> I mean, this guy, oh, this guy looks, he wouldn't think he'd be able to bully around a child. Listen to this, though. I mean, the, my producer, uh, Debbie Murphy, found the, the greatest soundbite of him. I mean, talk about like forecasting uh, things to come. Listen, this is him, I think, in 2013. Am I right, Deb? Um, I think it's just, yeah, Justin Trudeau, 2013, when asked which country other than Canada he admires most. The level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China, um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start, you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted. Uh, that I find quite interesting. Oh, do you? How about there you that? Go. Just it's the guy's unbelievable. Sometimes they just tell you exactly what they think, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes. He he admires it. He wanted to do it. And the truckers gave him an excuse that he thought was worthy. This is the same guy, again, who was kneeling. He was kneeling with the Black Lives Matter protesters. And now we know that not only is he doing all this stuff that, that I mentioned, he's actually sending out his his people. I don't know if she's law enforcement. She looks like a law enforcement officer door to door for for Canadians who are on Facebook posts that are talking about in a supportive way, the truckers. Watch this. And this is just some information about peaceful protests. That's all it is. Okay, so you saw something on my Facebook? No, on the Facebook group. <clears throat> okay, and decided to come to my personal residence to give me information about peaceful protests? Yes. Yeah, it's just a proactive measure to make sure you understand your rights about peaceful protesting. I absolutely, I have a copy of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, so I'm well within that and and very understanding of that. Uh, I appreciate that. I'm I'm hoping that uh, you guys aren't going to waste our tax dollars continuing to do this to everybody. But uh, now it's nice to know that uh, we're we're being watched. Wow. Unbelievable. Scary stuff. You know, the thing is, this bit that struck me most about that video is, is how reluctant the law enforcement officer looked to sort of deliver that message. Mm -hmm. Right. She's standing there in this like classic Canadian was like, yep, well, we're looking at your Facebook page and <laughs> saw some stuff on there. And God, well, sorry, both... I had to put you out. But here, you know, government says I got I got to hand you some paper. They're both so nice. They're so sweet. I know, right? It's just like, you imagine <laughs> that going down in the middle of Ohio? Like no. a very different scene. <laughs> no. Can you imagine like in New York, you looked at my fucking Facebook page and you showed up at my house. <laughs> you come back when you have a warrant. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, I guess that's what he's forcing these people to do. I just don't think it can hold. You know, I just don't think that... that even Canada, which is, again, much, much more liberal place than we are. I just don't think people are going to put up with it. Can I ask I you guys something, though? Because what does not putting up with it look like? I worry because this is really pushing people to the brink after mm -hmm. they're already kind of at the brink. That's why the truckers did this. It takes a lot to make the Canadians protest. They've they've lost jobs. They've lost lost careers. Their kids haven't been in school. They've been suffering and so on. All they get like we get here is guilted. When they try to speak up, they've been called racists for what? Just because they 
They co- yep. convened the trucks. One person had a flag with a, a swastika on it. And um, I was listening to the, the morning uh, wire, which is the Daily Wire's morning news show. It's like their answer to NPR. And um, there was a the organizer of the Canadian protest was saying that guy was wearing a mask and a hat and his face was totally covered. That one guy with the swastika flag and everybody else who's there is barefaced. You know, they're so why wasn't he showing his face? Right. He was suggesting maybe it was a false flag operation. Who knows? But that one guy doesn't represent all these truckers, these thousands of guys who are out there, you know, trying to make a point about freedom. And so it reminded me of something that um, I was talking about on the show last week where this guy goes to a school board meeting in upstate New York. He didn't wear his mask. I mean, literally the indoor school, the indoor mandate for masks in New York had been lifted, but not in schools. So he can sit next door in the restaurant without his mask on. No problem. But he walks, you know, 100 feet over, sits in the school board meeting. He's got to have it on or death will follow. And look at what this security guard does to this dad. Oh, they found him. Look at They found him. We're in America. Oh, time to look at this. Look at this. Look. What are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Is this how you treat What are you doing? Do you put your hands on the Holy children like crap. that? Please, Holy crap. Holy crap. That's assault. That is assault. Uh, oh my god. Oh my god. Doing that to the children too? Holy shit. What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Jeez. Unbelievable. They they are pushing people to the breaking point. Yeah. They really are. And the name calling doesn't stop uh, anywhere. I mean, the uh, the CBC, the state controlled media in Canada, uh, had a story yesterday that suggested that these truckers are somehow Russian assets. Yeah, I saw that. You saw that? Yeah, that they think that, that Russia is. is well, they're, they're probably like, oh, shit, it worked in the United States for three years. Yeah, but might as well hey. throw, let's try it up here in Canada. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Hey, well, I don't I I got to tell you, I feel like. um. It's good that these Democrats in these cities, in these blue states, in these blue cities are listening now to save their own butts. I don't really care what their motivations are. I just want them to start behaving better. And that it's good that we had the elections we did have this past November and and a message was taken from Virginia, New Jersey and so on. It's good that we had the San Francisco recall so that these Democrats can get the point that even their own party means business now. This isn't a right wing thing. This is an American thing. It's a Canadian thing. It's a freedom thing. And they will be punished at the ballot box if they don't listen. Right. We don't want violence, um, but we will punish them with our votes if they don't listen. So I'll give you guys the final word on whether they will. I mean, look, there's going to be an element of the modern Democrats who are only sort of focused on their own power right they'll they'll try to change anything to just stay in power and it's sort of your your neoliberal corporate democrats and and like you said whether they change for the right reasons or not changing is fine ultimately i don't think you can defeat anytime they get their hands on power they'll do the exact same thing right you really have to not only beat them at the ballot box but consistently beat them at the ballot box and not be duped into believing that the somehow there is better better motives here when somebody starts talking the way that Justin Trudeau has talked apparently now for years, listen to them. Listen to them because they actually mean it. If they're given the opportunity, they'll take it. 
OK, well, now you, you I've got to get this in. I'm now that you said we got to listen to Justin Trudeau. This is what the Canadians would have heard had they been paying attention to Justin Trudeau. My team put this together. It's so magical. I need for you guys to see it and react. It's got to be the final thing we talk about. It's a mashup of Justin Trudeau's greatest moments. Watch. I will never apologize for standing up for an LGDP, uh, LGT, LBT, <laughs> LGBTQ. Plus. And what do you and your family do to cut back on plastics? Uh, we uh, uh, we have uh, recently switched to drinking uh, water bottles out of uh, water out of uh, when we have water bottles uh, out of a uh, plastic. Uh, sorry, away from plastic towards uh, paper, um, like drink box water bottles, sort of things. I actually never take selfies. Everyone else takes selfies. I don't take selfies. Maternal love is the love that's going to change the future of mankind. So we'd like you to... Uh, we, we like to say people kind, not necessarily mankind. If people want to wear a mask, uh, that is okay. It prevents you from breathing or, or, or speaking uh, moistly on them. Oh, what a terrible image. I appreciate <laughs> calling it makeup, but it was blackface. Have you since been made aware or remembered of other instances? And if so, how many? I am wary of of uh being definitive about this it is exactly <laughs> the example of the kinds of things you need to do to counter the she session the she session and turn it into a she covering i will never apologize <laughs> for standing up for an lgdp uh, lgt lbg lgbtq2 plus <laughs> that is all time. It's an all-timer. Oh, you guys can steal it if you want. <laughs> Incredible. She, that's the best one, isn't it? She covery. <laughs> You've done your greatest work. That is fantastic. That's incredible. <laughs> you got it. It's laugh or cry. Let's choose to laugh. Love you guys. You're the greatest. Look forward oh, to listening to more. Thank you so much. Thanks All for right. having us. See you soon. All right, don't forget, uh, tomorrow we've got Dr. Helen Fisher here to talk to us about the science of love. She's fascinating. And I want to tell you, in the meantime, go ahead and download the show on Apple, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher. Go to YouTube.com slash Megyn Kelly to subscribe. And leave me a comment on Apple, and I will read it. This is one of my favorites in recent days. Doug, Doug, a different Doug, writes, I think you ought to change your tagline for the podcast to the best line ever written in any movie script, especially because it is from your beloved Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and it reflects what you and your team do every single day. Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show. So shines a good deed in a weary world. Doug in Atlanta. Your other Doug, he writes. Thank you, Doug. Please comment. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, have a great night. We'll talk later. Thanks for listening to The Megyn Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. 
Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 